you ever touch her again, son of a bitch. Look at me. She will go to bed that night, and you will never wake up. Shut up. Welcome to the Mad Max Minute presents Waterworld H2O Minutes at a Time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about minutes 71 and 72, which begin with Helen diving into action and end with the skyboat raining gunfire on the trimaran. Our special guests this week are Chris and Candace from High Fidelity Top 5. Hey, guys. hey, thanks for having us. Thank you for joining us. Excited to be here. Yeah. First and foremost, I'm sure plenty of our listeners have seen High Fidelity before, but please explain the concept of High Fidelity Top 5. I call us one of the Movies by Minutes podcasts. We decided to go through the movie, break it down five minutes at a time, and we were doing it as a weekly episode just because lives are busy. Right, lives <laughs> are busy, and the movie, there's lots of top five lists, and so it just lent it all, itself yeah. to... Five minutes at a time. Do you have a specific memory of the first time you saw Waterworld? Was it the time that I sent the movie to you here for this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no, but we did. We've talked about it. I don't know if I saw it in the theater or not. I doubt that I saw it in the theater. <laughs> I go through movies. And I'm like, oh, I, I haven't seen that one. I didn't see that one. And I know I saw it. I didn't remember a ton of about it, but I remembered stuff. So I know I saw it. I don't have a specific memory though. So, so the only thing that scares me about it is, so it, it came out before we started dating. Yeah. So if, if I didn't see it in the theater, that means we saw it together for the first time. <laughs> we first saw it and we have no memory. It was a really memorable yeah. <laughs> moment, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's a cool movie. I remember when it came, you know, the, when it came yeah, out, the trailers were out there, like, this is going to be a blast. And I was really looking forward to it. But no, I don't have that first time viewing memory. So, so it was like watching it all over again, getting ready for this. Right. Yeah. But that's just nothing for me personally about the movie itself. Because I don't have a lot of memories of watching movies for the first time. <laughs> that's just par for the course for me. But it's a fun movie. For sure. Yeah. Describing it as a fun movie is good. A lot of people ask, oh, what did you think of the movie? And a lot of people say, oh, you know, it was good or whatever, when what they really mean is it was fun. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's fast paced. It has its moments where you're just kind of like the practicality of things. I get distracted by the practical, like, could he have really taken care of that boat by himself all the time? And all the things that they, they look like, they're, everything looks like they're just about to break down and, 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 and fall apart. And so I get distracted by that. Like, how is that still running? How is that still running? <laughs> really? Trying to figure out how long all of this stuff has been running and yeah so enjoyed it but i got distracted a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's a good way to put it one thing that i find really distracting as we get into the minute for today is how helen dives off the back of the boat because as we saw at the tail end of last episode the mariner picked up young enola tossed her over the side of the boat and helen in her exasperation and surprise, ran over, slapped the Mariner, and now she's diving off the back of the boat. And as much as I want to focus on, oh, look at 
Gene Triplehorn diving into the water, being all graceful. All I can think of is that opening drum trill from the opening of Baywatch. <laughs> and I hear that voice screaming into my head, some people stand in the darkness. <laughs> I can tell you, I did not think that when I saw her dive in. No, that didn't cross my mind. There's no slow-mo. It didn't, yeah, it didn't, didn't click for me. It didn't come... <laughs> But I could see, I guess, yeah. yeah. I, I know we're talking we're talking about these two minutes, and but if we're allowed to jump back just a few seconds, uh, oh, of course, sure. The Mariner, I don't understand. Is I remember I, I was asking Kenneth, like, why did he throw her in the water? I mean, I, know, I I haven't been able to pin him down at least up to this point in the film yet. Does he hate everybody? <laughs> Does he just hate right. kids? Does he hate women? Well, Is it? I mean. I don't know. Yeah, he's pretty brutal to both of them. And so this is way back, kind of, when he hits her when she's under the sail and, like, whacks her with the oar with the Helen. And yeah. he's awful. So it just made me analyze, like, what kind of interactions he's had with humans in his life. And maybe he's been alone all along. And he had positive interactions. And then I questioned everything about him. Was he born from an egg? Was he born from a womb? <laughs> Like, what, what do we know? Like, maybe he doesn't know anything about how to be around people. I don't know. What do we know about this guy? The most important thing we know about him is that we see how he was treated at the atoll and how poorly he was treated. <sighs> right. right. And right. I think that's indicative right. of how he's treated in general. So, yeah, I don't think he likes people at all. I think he's had a lot of negative interactions with people and... I have a lot of gripes about how he treats people. <laughs> At this point in his arc, he feels unredeemable. Mm -hmm. Especially like the whole ore hitting thing that really Ugh. bothered me a lot. Like yeah. it's just so abusive for the sake of being abusive, for the well, sake yeah. of beating her down. It wasn't really called for at all. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> the sail thing was enough. He stopped right. her pointing a weapon at him by dropping the sail. Does he really need to beat her with an oar? Anyways, anyways. <laughs> right, right. And we were talking about Baywatch and now. Yeah. But, but, and then but it following is like... that up with him throwing Enola overboard. Yeah, that wasn't At cool. this point, I don't see an arc for him where at the end of the movie, I'm like, yeah, I'm on board with him. Right. I don't see it. I'm really the last person who should be defending someone with a full head of hair. <laughs> but Enola did say that he would be less ugly if he cut his hair. And according to the novelization yeah. that we read, okay, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> he did seem quite offended by that statement, and like <laughs> enough to murder, right? <laughs> enough to murder a child. Right. Well, that's the thing is like, what was he doing? It as a goof, like, haha, you know, throwing in the water. I'm going to come back and get you. Or was he throwing well, her over? Like he could have dove sister. in after her. I mean, he's the swimmer, but he didn't. He didn't. He just, yeah, he got all casual. And like, yeah, he just sat back down like, hey, I'm relaxing in my chair. See what she's going to do. Can she swim? Can she not? Do you think he assumed she could swim? Does everybody in... So, first of all, I hate that they call it Waterworld. <laughs> right? They actually refer to it like, oh, you're, you're the only one here in Waterworld. Like, it's Earth. Like, uh, when did the name change? Has it been that long everybody forgot the name of the planet? <laughs> You know, sorry. that has actually never been brought up before, but it's an excellent point. Yeah. <laughs> that it's just but, so, a stupid name. I'm laughing at my own question. But... 
do you think he was assuming that Enola could swim? And so he threw her overboard as, hey, she'll, she'll be fine. She can swim. I think it's a good assumption. She lives in water world. Lives in water world. Yeah. See, yeah, well, no, I'm not. I'm just, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I would assume most people, but I don't know, maybe water to them. The way that Helen rushes him and yells, she can't swim. I'm pretty sure this is the first time the Mariner is learning that fact. And so mm. what he sees as, oh, it's a harmless prank. Like, hey, I'm at a pool party. I'm going to push this guy in his pool. And then he comes up to the surface. Oh, my phone's in my pocket. This is no longer funny. <laughs> it's that sort of situation where like, you're annoying me. I'm going to throw you in the ocean. Oh, wait, you can't swim. You're about to die. This is suddenly not a joke. <laughs> We're going to ignore the fact that in my mind, a waterlogged phone equals drowning child yeah i wasn't gonna say anything i wasn't gonna compare an ocean to a pool none of that it was you know sharks and all that but yeah i don't know why didn't he go in for her when he's like oh she can't swim oops i should go get her i can swim a heck of a lot faster than you can is it because he had to steer the boat i guess or does he as at this point does he still not care i don't think he cares if helen dives off at her and, and maybe he can lose both of them he didn't want either of them yeah, just... this is his opportunity to ditch them. Yeah. <laughs> and convince himself that he still did the right thing. Oh, they were goners. There was no way I could save them. So it's okay that I sailed away. Like, he could talk himself into being okay with leaving them behind. There are three solid seconds of him cradling his face, looking back at Helen and Enola in the water, and thinking to himself, do I turn around? And he eventually shrugs and he throws his hand up against the tiller to start turning the boat around. So this is what it says in the book. And then the woman dove in after the child. Crabs of hell, he thought. Two of them in the drink now. Of course, leaving them there would solve a lot of problems. Crabs of hell. But instead he headed aft. <laughs> <laughs> so he seriously considered, well, you know, it's, it's, yeah. I could just leave him behind. The Mariner, this is the second time that we have seen him actually take a moment to deliberate something that should have been a no-brainer. <laughs> Back in the atoll, when Helen offered to save him for the price of taking them with him, he paused. He actually he paused? thought about yeah. it yeah, for a moment. Sure. And then again here, like, oh, should I save them? Should I not? Oh, yeah. Okay, fine. I'll save them. So he's just, he's a thinker. Well, he does the right thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, right. Is he redeemed, though, in, in your eyes? I don't... Oh. This no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, he's... No. He threw the kid overboard. I don't care if she could... If, you know, if he thought she could swim, he threw her in the ocean. I don't know. That's not cool. Even no. if you can swim, being out in the middle of the ocean is not an easy treading situation. Right. Do we know where this ocean is? What the temperature of the ocean? I guess it's probably pretty warm because the ice melted. Or but, vice versa. Or it's cold because ice melted. But yeah, do we know do where that. they are? Like above a certain continent or? No, I don't think we really have any idea. We'll get some location cues later on. But with the amount of traveling that they do, we have no idea where right. they are on the Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere. Right. Or... Now, you said you read the novelization. I'm assuming you guys have, like, the comic books and all of the... <laughs> is there an extended canon around Waterworld? Like, is there, a, like, a comic series that went that went along with it? I think there was a three-issue comic series that was a sequel to Waterworld. A it sequel? took place sequel. after everything. 
And then the novelization itself is essentially a retelling of the movie. Okay. But bound up because that's what they did in the mid nineties. Every movie got a novelization. I love those. Oh yeah. They're great. A little beat up, but not too bad. Yeah. I would like to see a prequel, right? I want to see Mariner as a kid. Young Mariner. Yeah. As he hatched or however it worked, who were his parents, all of those things. Those are, that's Yeah. When did he become the lone drifter? I don't know, whatever. Okay, just as long as it's not how they do every Harrison Ford prequel scene where every important element of his grown-up character is encapsulated down into one day or series of events. Like, I don't want to see young Mariner getting his iconic trimaran and his pants and his vest and <laughs> discovering it. Like, I don't want that to be one long action <laughs> sequence as he's bringing the cross of Coronado back to Sean Connery. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> it could be a fun prequel though. Yeah, I'm surprised in the extended edition, they didn't throw in some flashbacks, yeah. you know, mm. like right here when he had his little three second pause of, should I go get her? You could be remembering <laughs> the time he got thrown overboard. Right. And right. Someone rescued him. That he wouldn't need rescuing because he's a fish. Yeah, that's right. He's a fish man. <laughs> All right. It's a good thing he didn't have those ski boots on. Oh, absolutely. It's entirely possible that he once got thrown overboard and that's when he discovered his abilities or discovered oh. the extent of his abilities. Like, oh, wait, I'm not drowning. Right. I can breathe and I can swim real good. See, the prequel has so many possibilities. Right. Do you think it's possible that they could come back around to this? No. Revive it? No? <laughs> <laughs> oh. No. Uh, there's the question of could, right. but then there's also the question of should. should. Well, when yes, was the yes. last time Hollywood stopped to ask if they should? That's a great point. Yeah. So see, there's a chance. Oh, I guess, yeah. There, it could yeah. happen. Right. <laughs> Spoiler alert for everybody down the road. I have a second copy of this novelization that I've been reading on my own. And there is a passage later on in the book. I think it's pre-coital interaction with Helen. After the boat's burned, they've swum back. And they're just hanging out on the burned wreckage. And he actually says he was born of woman on an oh, atoll. Oh. oh. And he was different from birth. His mother died early. And his father took his mutant son out on the ocean and tied a rope around his waist. And would use his mutant child to dive down and do salvage things. And so when the Mariner was like 10 or 11 years old, he murdered his father and stole his boat. Whoa. And As he's, you do? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I think that explains a lot. Yeah. About, you know, his treatment of people. And yeah. How, yeah. Person who was supposed to be protecting him and teaching him about the world used and abused him. Yeah. Yeah. His mother was around long enough to teach him how to read, and then she just went the way of Disney mothers, inexplicably <sighs> taken out of the mm, picture. Mm -hmm, of course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> For character development. Right. That's super important. That's one of the reasons why he doesn't like people, is because the only nice person he ever knew died and left him in the hands of a really nasty person who he ended up murdering. Do we have more empathy for him now? I don't. I don't have more empathy for him. No. It still doesn't justify <laughs> hitting Helen working. with an oar. No, no, no. Yeah, it's weird because, you know, you get these like anti-heroes that are, you know, yeah, I'll drop a sail on you for fun. And, you know, just a 
you know, so you don't shoot me, right? You know, and it's, it, you could leave it at that. Like, all right, that was kind of funny. She probably didn't get too hurt, but, but yeah, then whacking her with an oar, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It, it takes him to another level that is disconcerting. Well, yeah, I guess you don't see a lot of empathy on his part in any moments of any, like, no. heart. So you haven't seen that yet. So you're, there's no way of kind of, yeah, he hasn't redeemed himself yet. All right. This scene here where he turns the boat around might be the first selfless act that he's mm. done in this movie. That I can think of, it might be. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's the first time that he shows he has a conscience. Yeah. Right. Or does he care about the tattoo on her back or the mat, whatever it is? Does he care at all about that? Could that be why he's rescuing her? Yeah, it's unclear at this point. We know that he has noticed it. Right. But does he know what it is? Is he just saying, huh, that's odd. A child has a rather large tattoo on her back. That's kind of weird. Or does he have some kind of inkling? Yeah. Mostly hearsay from when he was at the atoll. We don't really know yet. So maybe, yeah. A little bit of a conscience. We do have a drowning child out there in the middle of the ocean. Right, 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 right. Back to the kids. Right, right. A child. I went on the Wikipedia page for drowning, and I pulled some fun facts. (laughs) Did you know that a major contributor to drowning is the inability to swim? Oh. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. That is a direct copy-paste from the Wikipedia page. It is a fun (laughs) fact. Some actual, like, more interesting facts. 90% of drownings happen in freshwater. Oh. The other 10% are in saltwater, with a negligible percentage happening in non-water fluids. Like Ew. what? I um, want examples of non-water fluids uh, I don't know. Drown in. Like giant fluids. bats of chemicals in a Batman movie? Yeah, but they don't drown. <laughs> yeah. Don't they, they like pop get sizzled back up or something? With superpowers. Oh, yeah. Okay, legit. I legit I wanna know examples of other fluids that people drown in. Think. Jello? <laughs> the only thing they mentioned is like industrial accidents. Okay. So would it be I guess it'd be like when you hear of people in like silos where like there's like um grain and stuff and yeah. people fall in and they can't get out and is that suffocating or drowning? I think it's more suffocating. More suffocating. Drowning on Because then it's like you're you're being pressed (laughs) by the physical material around you. Right. Right. You can't breathe. Asphyxiating you. While drowning is your lungs filling up with water. Right. Or or non. Yeah. What was the phrase? Yeah. What is it? Non-liquid. Wait. Non-water. What's the 1%? Oh, I I forget what I said. Compost goo. Right? Yeah. That was I what it's probably have a distinct memory of a very, very old episode of Roseanne mm-hmm. where one of her dear friends that's a regular on the show, I can't remember any names, her husband died in a construction accident. They were building, I think, like an overpass. There was a concrete pillar that they were pouring, and he fell into the pillar with the wet concrete. Oh, my God. And I was a child when I saw this, so I didn't really think about it that hard, but like thinking back on it. So he fell in the liquid concrete, and he died in there, and his body was still in there. Did they show this? No, no, they didn't show this. No, thank goodness. So the scene in the episode was, that I think it was some sort of anniversary or something, so mm-hmm. she went to the pillar. Oh, my God. Oh. I didn't take the pillar oh. down. And, uh, 
and like you know had a heartfelt moment at the pillar to like, like say goodbye on solo in the carbonite he was like frozen in carbonite and saying it out loud i'm like oh that is the dumbest thing i've ever heard like first of all did they really not fish him out in time to try and save his life yeah that's like at least chip him out later right right i mean couldn't they have rescued him it's not like an instant death i feel like, like that just would pull him out that would make right. a structural get him to the hospital they, they had to get that bridge built that would yeah. make a problem get inside a the structure of the concrete oh, you would right. have some sort of organic yeah mass hole <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have to look that that's okay that's really I'm, weird i'm gonna it's google dark. it later yeah and okay I'll, okay i'll address it on the weekends we do a patreon show and i will address it over the weekend yeah we'll talk about weird drowning situations that aren't necessarily okay. water I do like you bringing that up, though, because also according to that Wikipedia page, 80% of drowning victims are male. Hmm. That's a really so big tough. difference. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm wondering about, like, yeah. why. And there's certainly, like, the bravado side of things. Yeah. Where... Right. What's totally. that Twitter account you follow, Chris? Oh. Um, um, why women live... Wait. Yeah, why women live longer than men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Riptide? There's no such thing as a riptide. I got this. Eighty percent. Right. Yeah. I want to know what percentage huge. of those deaths are preceded by the phrase "hold my beer." Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seventy-nine. <laughs> Ooh, you know what? There's also military stuff like boats mm. that sink. Yes. That's, first of oh. all, a lot of men drowning. Right. So does that factor into the numbers? Yeah. So a large contributor to those numbers. And they're all right. vastly majority men. We can stop dissing on men now then, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, sailors. <laughs> In war, right. your ship sunk because it was bombed, but your cause of death isn't explosion. It's still drowning. Drowning. Yeah. yeah. Your ship sank and you yeah. drowned. Right. This is getting dark. Yeah. It's bumming me out. She lives, right? <laughs> the good news is... In 2005, the World Health Organization defined drowning as the process of experiencing respiratory impairment from submersion or immersion in a liquid. And experts differentiate between distress and drowning, where distress are people in trouble, but who can still float and signal for help and take action. For example, Enola in this scene. Oh. Whereas drowning is someone suffocating and in imminent danger of death within seconds. For example, smokers that we see later on in this movie who have been grabbed by the ankle by the mariner and being pulled down to the bottom. Oh, okay. I'm surprised she lasts as long as she does for not being able to swim. Hmm. Yeah, this whole not being able to swim thing. So she's just a little girl. She doesn't have a lot of body fat. Right. So she's probably not a great floater. Yeah. So she treads water for kind of a long time while Helen swims to her. So this whole I can't swim thing, yeah. mm, I don't know about that. Not buying it. Yeah. <laughs> she's in distress. Like, she's calling out for Helen. But the very fact that her head is above water and she yeah. can call out for Helen right. after such a long time. She can swim. Yeah. Especially when Helen <laughs> catches up to Enola. Enola doesn't do that thing that you see a lot in shows like Baywatch, where 
she grabs onto Helen and pushes her underwater. Right. Right, right. Right, Panic. which is a very real thing. Like, that's mm-hmm. yeah. why yeah. lifeguards especially carry floaties and stuff, because you're not supposed to approach a drowning person, because they will push you under in their desperate attempt to, you know, live. I read a how-to on rescuing someone when they're drowning, and they give a tip that if they grab you and they push you underwater to get themselves out of the water, what you should do is swim down and then surface away from them and then approach them from a different angle in order to grab them safely. Oh, that's very smart. Yeah. I'd be able to think like that if I was rescuing someone. (laughs) I know, so like someone's gonna like just you know crab lock onto you, right, and like try to stand on your shoulders. I'd be, I'd start panicking myself. Yeah, right. Help me. Now you have two drowning people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dead bodies float, right? Uh, Not right oh. away. <laughs> I've always been a rather round person. I have never had the problem of not being able to float. Me neither. I float. That is my natural state. This has never been an issue. Even if I was too tired to tread water, I still float. So it took me a long time to understand that that's not everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, people don't just naturally Some people don't float on their own. (laughs) And then if they stop actively treading water, they will sink. I'm like, no, just take a break. Float on your back for a few minutes. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. I can't do it. I can't float on my back. That's never been a thing I could do. My feet always sink. Right. It's just maybe I'm terrible at floating my back. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't particularly like being in deep water anyway, so I don't put myself in that situation. Of... I'd be wor- more worried about, you know, getting eaten. That's out in the ocean. I was, oh. you know, treading water or floating. Like, I'd be worried someone's going to suck me under. Yeah. yeah. I'm not into ocean swimming when I can't see the bottom. I love the ocean. I love the beach. But once I can't see the bottom anymore, I am out. Yeah. Something touch my foot. Get me out of here. I'm out of here. I like being on the water, though. Just not in the water. And lakes, absolutely not. Not oh. even if I can see the bottom. Yeah. No lakes whatsoever. Oh, interesting. Oceans, yes, but not lakes. Yeah. Hmm. I feel like lakes are dirty. <laughs> not dirty like filth, but like slime <laughs> right yeah. you step into it and there's right. muck that gooey. Yeah. Yeah. No, one, yeah. no one likes the goo yeah, no. yeah no. goo i like the beachy part of the ocean where you can see the bottom you can see it's clean you can see if there's any seaweed or wildlife around you and take appropriate action yeah that's what i'm into pools are good too oh pools are you know the best <laughs> they're the ideal situation yes, yes. I want to guarantee that my water is not going to attack me. I wouldn't want to be thrown in the ocean. That would not be fun. Thankfully, the Mariner has this moment of clarity and good-naturedness. He turns the boat around and he sails it back towards them. I like the visual of the Mariner sailing over Helen and Enola because it's very cool. But I'm pretty sure this is also the shot where... The trivia item from the IMDb page says that Gene Triplehorn and Tina Majorino were hit by the trimaran. Oh, I'm pretty sure this was that scene. Like, they didn't line it up right. They were bobbing off center, and they just got whacked by that pontoon. Oh. Yikes. Really? Oh. Yeah, this production, mm, it had some problems on the safety department. Yeah, that doesn't make me happy. Because it's the open ocean. Right, and stuff like that happens. That's why you don't film on the open ocean. 
Is that why they went over budget and everything? Just medical costs? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah, either Insurance. medical costs. They had to rebuild the set once. Yeah, because the atoll sank once. And so they had to build a second one. Who? And then Kevin Costner's stunt double almost died. Doing what? He got the bends. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. I know, horrible. right? This, yeah. this movie's insane. And then there was Kevin Costner's personal villa, which was $4,500 a day. So that <gasps> didn't help. He's such yeah. a diva. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, wow. This is one post Dances with Wolves. Yes. Yes. Yeah, because I think yes. I said Dances with Wolves in high school. Oh, okay. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we want to go back that far. I get the vibe that he was allowed to do this monstrosity of a movie mm. because he was coming off of Dances with Wolves, Prince of Thieves. The Bodyguard, really big movies for him. Right. It gave him the leeway to do weird stuff. All that Hollywood clout. Yes. Right. Yeah. I right. think the star would get a villa. I mean. I guess. Sure. That's what I would ask for. Did Gene Triplehorn get a villa? Oh. Yeah, that's the big question. Yeah. Because yeah. the crew had to stay yeah. in condominiums and they were not mm. air conditioned. I don't know that I could do that. Like, oh, I'm going to stay in my villa <laughs> while everyone else is working on this movie. I don't know. You get to stay in condos together with no AC. <laughs> I I'd like to think I'd want to hang out with them. I'm going to party with no, them. I'm not saying he has to hang out with them. I just mean, I don't know. I'd probably, I want to be a little bit more equal. Now we're getting into the psychology of movie stars. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. This is why they do it, man. So they can get those villas. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be famous and I want a villa of my own. I am so glad that Helen is able to nail the grab as the boat sails by the first time mm. and that they're not left bobbing in the ocean as the boat turns around again. Okay. I did notice that the Mariner graciously turned around to pick them up. Didn't help them get on board at all. No. Yeah. He doesn't. Yeah. Didn't, Just stands there he didn't looking. Like, drop a rope for them to grab onto or make sure that they were ready to grab the ladder at the back end. Nothing. And it's hard getting on a boat. I don't want anyone watching me, Get on a boat. He could have helped. He doesn't look like he's got a lot of like platforms. Extra, yeah, nice platforms. Things, yeah. Again, yeah, I can adjust myself, and you know, he's she's hauling herself up probably on a little rope. Yeah, he's yeah. standing yeah. there cleaning his nails. Yes, I, he might as well be standing on deck with his hand in front of his face, wagging his fingers at them, saying "Neener, neener, neener." <laughs> Climb out of the water yourselves. I rescued you, so you can do the rest. Yeah. Even though I threw uh, you over. you're welcome. Right. Yeah, I've done right. the bare minimum and deserve all of the credit. Because right. she says thanks, though, when she climbs up, which bugs me. Oh, sarcastic. thanks for rescuing me after you threw us overboard. Right. Thanks oh. for fixing something that was your fault. Yeah. I couldn't tell if he was picking his nails thing if he was doing that because he felt guilty. Like, oh, it was like, like a, a sorry Like a shame that. Yeah. Shame, yeah. yeah, sorry. He was being a little sheepish. Yeah, mm. I, I, I think. Again, can't quite tell. Right. It could right. be. What his mental it state could is. Be. I'm willing to look at it that way. I don't know. No credit. He gets no credit at all. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He hasn't earned it. Which is why I'm glad that when Helen does get up onto the boat, which it is a bit of an awkward climb to get over that back railing to get onto the main section of the boat. But as she stumbles after the Mariner, she is giving him the business. Oh, yeah. She is swearing that if he ever touches Enola again, she is going to murder him in his sleep. 
I love that. That's a great line. It that is, is and I, scary. I love the way that she says it. It's not just I'm going to murder you in your sleep. So you're going to go to sleep that night and you won't wake up. I love the phrasing of it. Yeah. Yeah, it it's and it it doesn't feel it, it, she means it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like and it's like oh, oh, there's a dark side to Helen. Well, I mean, that's her kid he threw overboard. <laughs> I know, but I mean, it's still, I would, yeah, I'd love to say that to someone. Not because, I mean, you're going to save that now, right? Yeah. Be able to use that. I know, I know. I hope I'm never given the you opportunity, don't have but to say it to someone, right. I don't want to have if to. The occasion but, arose, right? Yeah, it'd be good to have that in my back pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a good line. Yeah. I'm tuck that one away for later. Yeah. What bothers me is that there's no opportunity in this scene for Helen's words to really sink in with the Mariner because she's angry she's furious at mm. him and he's like shut up because there's a plane coming right that's right he's listening he's trying to hear he's that's distracted right. yeah. yeah that timing does bother me yeah she doesn't get her moment because she deserves to yell at him and he deserves to be yelled at and to be threatened and to be cussed out like he deserves all of it and he gets out of it because there's another more immediate threat mm-hmm. right He's lucky the smokers came along when they did. Yeah, it's a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) He saves himself a telling off. Right. All right. Who knows what she would have done? We see the skyboat coming, Mm -hmm. and Helen says, "Can we outrun it?" (laughs) And his reply is not with the sail down. Do you think that he was saying that spitefully because it's their fault he had to put the sail down? Well, I also, if we recall, he got his sail up pretty quickly back when that other guy at the beginning of the movie took his limes. Yeah. That's right. I mean, we've seen how quickly he can get that sail up. So, And that was like a show-off moment. Yeah. For the Mariner to us, the viewer, like, ha, look what I can do. Yeah. This is where we're going to be for a while, and it's a cool boat. And all of a sudden, he can't do that. Yeah, so I don't know if that's why he said that. He threw her over, though. It's still his fault. Yeah, Yeah, it's still his fault. I don't think he sees it that way. It's like, I had to put the sail down to come rescue you guys. So now we're stuck in this situation. Because she told me to cut my hair. Yeah. (laughs) She insulted my baby. Okay, but even if he put the sail up, there's no way that that boat is going to outrun a plane. There's no... You're right. You're absolutely right. It's not going to happen. It's an airplane. I didn't think about that part. (laughs) Right. There's so much, you know, outrunning jet skis and outrunning all these. I get a little confused about how how fast this boat can go. I I think he could pull it off. He'd definitely be able to outlast the plane, right? Why? Oh, because of wind. Because of fuel. Right. Because of what is the fuel called? The rocket? Go juice. Go juice. Yeah. Go juice. juice. Yeah. 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 All about that plane is so inefficient. First of all. It is guzzling gasoline. That's why they call it guzzling. So its range probably isn't that great. And its speed probably isn't fantastic anyways, because it's, you know, a 500 some odd year old airplane. Yeah. I want to dive into the book real quick, because this is how the book describes the situation we're looking at. Right. As she trailed off, she clearly sensed that he was on alert. He ducked under the boom and his eyes searched the opposite horizon. Not a boat in sight. But there was a droning sound. Not unlike the mechanical drone that announced the speedboats of jet skis of smokers, Helen asked. He turned his attention to the sky. Engine missing, 
buzzsawing over the water, spewing smoke so badly it might have been crashing rather than cruising, the battered seaplane loped into view, then looped in and began circling the trimaran. So it is not in good repair. Right. Yeah, even worse. Sounds even worse. <laughs> so maybe they could get a nice gust of wind and be out of there. Breathe on it the wrong way and knock it out of the air. Yeah. <laughs> so I did not know when you guys asked to do this that Jack Black was in Waterworld. I was pleasantly surprised to see him in this role. You were? I was. It's perfect. It's a, it's a great Jack Black. Like, he, he could be doing it today, right? Definitely fits today. You know, all the roles he's been in and stuff. I could totally see him being in, in a Mad Max or some other apocalyptic movie. So it's a perfect fit. I just had no idea at the time when I saw it. Who's this guy? He's just right. another one of the anonymous, like even the gunner. Like, who's the gunner in this plane? I don't know. Is he anyone? Do we know? Is anyone famous? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I mentioned these guys in earlier minutes when they first showed up. And I did not do a deep dive on both these actors because one is Jack Black and one doesn't have a lot of information on his IMDb page. But obviously, as we said, the smoker pilot is played by Jack Black. His top four on IMDb are School of Rock in 2003, Nacho Libre in 2006, High Fidelity in 2000, and King Kong in 2005. Oh, yeah, King Kong. The smoker gunner is played by John Tolls Bay, who was in Dude, Where's My Car, Waterworld, oh. K-Pax, and The Rift in 1990. Mm. Okay, well, at least I've heard of all those movies. Yeah. Sure. Little bit yeah. parts here and there. Yeah. <laughs> Good. So that was Jack Black's top five, huh? Yeah. No, uh, yeah, Shallow Wait, Hal really? or Saving Silverman or all those. <laughs> Love Saving Silverman. <laughs> That's my guilty pleasure. So what did he do before this? He did Bye Bye Love in 1995, where he played a DJ at a party. He was Slip in The NeverEnding Story 3. He was Wasteland Scrap in Demolition Man. He was Augie in the movie Airborne. So we've got four right there. Okay. The only other feature-length movie he was in before that was 1992's Bob Roberts, where he played Roger. He was in TV shows and TV movies aside from that. So NeverEnding Story 3? Yeah. No, yeah, I didn't know there was a never-ending story, too. I knew <laughs> that two and three existed. I've never seen them. Jack Black was one of the bullies that tried to steal the book from Bastion. Is it just a rerun? Is it like Groundhog Day? That never-ending story three is the same thing as never-ending story? Well, it only has a 3.2 out of 10 on IMDb, so it definitely uh, yeah. is not as well-received as the first two. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. The sequel, The NeverEnding Story 2, the next chapter, only has a 5.2, so there is a crashing trajectory on the quality of these movies as you go along. Okay, for some context, what does number one have? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> the first NeverEnding Story has a 7.4. Okay. Oh, so it goes down like two points each. Each time? Yeah. yeah. That's not, you know, there's a trend. Maybe you should consider that when you decide to make sequels. Yeah. But see, the thing is now, I, now I have to, I want to see the NeverEnding Story 3 because Jack Black's in it. But that means I have to see NeverEnding Story 2 as well. So I'm like, no. I don't think you have to, Chris. You I don't want to get lost continuity. in the continuity. You need the backstory. Yeah, you need the context. No, I don't you think you have to... to see either one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not I mean, a, I'm not a Jack Black completist, right? Right, yeah. I, I I'm intrigued. Think. How's that? I'm intrigued. I want to see Jack Black as Jack Black. That's when I want to see him. I don't need to see him... I don't know. 
Jack Black like being silly and well, dancing. Yeah, but Jack like, Black and, we yeah. all know and love. Right. That's, I mean. Well, I love that Jack Black and I love this Jack Black. I like him as a post-apocalyptic bad guy. Okay. I want more of that. More of that. And more fun and silly Jack Black. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Black really strikes me as the kind of actor who can pull off covered in grease, tattered clothes. Mm. Flying a junker like this. He fits really well into the aesthetic of this world. Yeah. I would agree. Yep, he really does. My favorite moment of this particular two-minute stretch is when the plane is circling the trimaran and Enola waves. Oh, God. <laughs> which is not my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. I don't care for Enola. I think she's obnoxious. Oh. oh. She's just so, look at me. I'm a little kid. And I'm so cute. And I don't like it. Wow. <laughs> but my favorite part is so the three of them are like standing in front of each other, like staggered. She waves and the mariner reaches around and smacks her on the head. <laughs> yeah, I think Chris liked that part too. I love oh that part. Oh my goodness, it was so funny. He's he's channeling the three stooges right there. It's like Mo was slapping Curly in the back of the head. Yeah. He hits her so hard, though. Okay. It's not like this a, would not be my favorite. I, don't, I didn't think it was funny. It's not a glancing <laughs> blow. It knocks Tina Majorino's <laughs> head completely <laughs> off kilter. Like, yeah, that was a full contact a, smack. No, I'm okay with it. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't have any issues with her. But, you know, so I get, but I get it. Some kids are annoying. This one, she's not for me. But I don't understand why he needs to hit her anyway. I mean, she's waving. What? difference is that going to make they're standing out there looking at the plane maybe it'll appeal to their pilot's emotional senses and not do oh, anything like oh like oh look it's a child well, he i can't don't attack a child doesn't he <laughs> yeah so it works <laughs> the kid. so right after this jack black has a line what is the line that he says something like well, he, he says specifically don't hit the kid and then the gunner goes back and gets on that gun but I think he said before that, no, like, no, that's no, a nice a touch or something. That. Oh, no, he nice says, yeah. Touch, but I don't know what them. he's talking about. Yeah, so, we couldn't yeah, figure I was either, wondering, like... is he talking about the wave? Yeah, I think so. Because they are looking specifically for a little girl on a three-hulled boat. All right. That could just be a tiny person. And so the fact that she's waving at them like is confirmation kid. that that is oh. indeed a small child. Okay, so. I'm making a if... lot of excuses for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's what we're here for. So let's say that when they first saw the seaplane coming, if Helen and Enola had scrambled down below and hid, and the mariner was like the only person there, do you think they would have been safe from the machine gun? Well, that maybe he should have told them to do that. But yeah, uh, would they have been safe? Back to the question. Sorry. Uh, yeah, maybe. No, they I wouldn't. Feel, no, I feel like smokers are just like, oh, here's another boat. I'm going to shoot it up and sink yeah. it and laugh. They would have attacked away. anyways. Yeah. I mean, they're jerks. Yeah. I don't think it would have mattered. I think I agree with you that they seem to do a lot of pillaging for fun and for the heck of it. Yeah. That's a fun life. <laughs> Which, again, that's, that's the thing that I struggle with. I mentioned earlier, like the practicality of this movie. And I just recently reread Dune mm -hmm. and. There's so much focus on, you know, you don't waste a drop of water ever, right? And they're, they're all the, their lives are all just focused around retaining moisture and no wasting anything. And there's so much waste in this movie. 
<laughs> people are they're picking up dirt and letting it drift in the wind, and they're shooting, tasting it. They're, they're yeah, they're eating yeah. it. They're when they're they're reclaiming water, you know, in the still or whatever. And he's just dropping stuff, you know, drops here and there. I'm like, that's so wasteful. You'd think they'd be everything would be so precious, including ammo, right? They're just, you know, he's shooting off, you know, everything. And I don't know. You'd think they'd be a little more conservative about their resources. Now I sound like a total nerd. <laughs> There are a lot of situations in this clip specifically where you say, okay, but why? (laughs) The plane has been sent out on a search. They want to find this vessel. The plane wasn't sent out so that it could shoot up the boat. Are they going to shoot the adults on the boat, hope they don't hit the kid, and then land and grab her, fly her back? Are they going to try and be heroes? Or are they just going to fly back, report the position, and have them get picked up later? Okay, why not hit the kid? They don't need her alive. Oh, wow. You want that to happen. I really don't like her. Wow. Just saying. Just just hit her already. Just kill her. Like a square foot of her back skin. (laughs) Wow. Why go through the effort to try not to kill her? I don't know. Their machine gun, it'd probably blow her to bits. Yeah, I think if you hit her, that would not be be helpful. Right? Yeah. You You wouldn't have a tattoo anymore. Okay, I like the idea, like, strategically, that, yeah, you're right, they're on a scouting mission. They're not going to capture Enola, not on the boat. But if they damage the trimaran in such a way that it can't make good progress. Okay. Like, all right, let's sure. shoot up the sail. Yeah. Without a good sail, they're not going much of anywhere. He's got trawling mode, but that's really slow, so it would allow Jack Black to report the location and then come back. So... I have to believe that's what they're going for. They're not doing a very good job of it. No. Mm-mm. No. I mean, they shoot the water in front of the boat. Yeah. That looks cool. It is some good visuals. Does that really happen? That's probably a tactic anyway, so they kind of line up their shots. So they hit water splashes. They know, you know, they're getting close. Part of the aiming process? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like, I know. I can understand that. You've talked me into it. I doubt any of their weapons have any modicum of accuracy because they're all crap. They look like World War II stuff, right? It's Yeah, it's old. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys talk about, so before he starts shooting, you know, Jack Black has to light up a cigarette as part of this? Uh Uh-huh. And I know they're the smokers. That's, you know, that's what they're called. Is it because of this? Because they're smoking constantly? Is it because all of their machinery is smoking? Like everything they drive and fly is smoking? Or is it... Have you talked about that? Do you have an answer for that? Because I I don't know the answer to that. Well, we're stuck in a chicken or egg situation. (laughs) Are they smokers for the engines or are they smokers for the cigarettes? And it could be either one, depending on which came first. I would like to think that because people that are not smokers call them smokers, and they're more likely to see the smoke from the engines, it's probably the engine smoke that came first. Mm, Yeah. You see them coming. Right. Do yeah. the smokers call themselves smokers? I don't believe so. Because I don't oh. think we've heard them call themselves that. Okay, I think we just answered the question then. Yeah. Because if the term smokers comes from observers, then they are using that word because their machinery is crap and belches out black smoke. Right. Nice. Yeah. Solved it. Solved it. Excellent. Where do they get all their cigarettes, though? Oh, that is a, an enduring <laughs> mystery. We have no I mean, idea. you need plants and tobacco and soil and 
paper and yeah, yeah it's a whole industry and they all have some pretty fresh looking cigarettes yeah they're so clean looking yeah they don't look well, beat up or yeah bent or anything yeah gotten wet what we do know is that on the d's their barge home there are many <laughs> many 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 boxes cases of supplies of a spam that's not spam they call it smeat oh it's great. So that's and we've seen <laughs> so we've seen cases of smeat and we've seen cases of different types of liquor. Smigarettes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry. Well, is that smeat and smokers? Is that is that a clue? Wait, is that a clue? Is that a clue? Is that, are they actually their last name Moker? <laughs> so they started off as a gang that would say okay to everything. So they started <gasps> yeah. calling them the Okers. Mm, okay. Like the okayers. Yeah. Yeah. Then they started eating smeat all the time. And so they added the SM to the beginning of it. Then it just became smoker. Yeah. All right. Candace cracked this. it. This is fantastic. This you is know, worth it. Every guest that we have on asks us about the cigarettes. And honestly, <laughs> we don't have an answer for that. Yeah. It's okay. I like the speculation. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah the uh seaplane circling the boat and spraying bullets everywhere is how we wrap this episode this is arguably not jack black's best scene in this movie that does come later specifically when he reports to the deacon i'm a little bummed out that we're not talking about that scene with you two because that is arguably his best moment but we have to stick to the schedule <laughs> yes it's okay we understand That's the okay. format and yeah like i said when the when the scene ends these two minutes end it's like oh, oh it's over already i was i was uh i was jazzed for more no i'm just grateful that this time when we saw jack black you could actually tell it was jack black mm-hmm. we've seen this guy before we've seen this pilot before mm-hmm. it was during the attack on the atoll and rick was like hey that's jack black and i'm like what? <laughs> not in this movie? What are you talking crazy? Yeah. I had no idea. And I couldn't see it in his face. It just wasn't connecting. Right. So this time you can actually tell it's him. Yeah. Totally yeah. Jack Black. Well, here at the end of the episode, it's always good when two drifters meet that something be exchanged. So Chris and Candace, could you please, for our listeners, tell them where they can hear more of the things that you've produced? Oh, Sure. Candace and I are co-hosts with two of our other close friends of uh, High Fidelity Top 5, which is a five-minute breakdown of the movie High Fidelity with John Cusack. You can find us at High Fidelity Minute. High Fidelity. I never get this right, guys. <laughs> Even, on the- Even on the show, every time I try to do it, it's uh, highfidelitytop5.com. Yep. And we all of our social media links are on there, too. So just head to the website. You'll find everything, everything we need. Yeah, we wrapped that up a couple of months ago. And then I'm also co-host of the Star Trek Minute with my co-host, David Stoker. We're currently on hiatus. We're between the episode four, The Voyage Home, and episode five, The Final Frontier, which I'm not looking forward to doing because it's like the low point in Star Trek. <laughs> uh, we'll be back sometime in 2021, I think. So yeah, yeah, definitely uh, check us out, highfidelitytop5.com. All right. As for us, come back next time. We will see the Mariner head below deck. Helen will go on the offensive, and the whole ordeal will get a lot more tangled. The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. Waterworld was written by Peter Rader and David Tuohy, directed by Kevin Reynolds, and presented by Universal Pictures. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. 
Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute. And like us on Facebook by searching MadMaxMinute and join our Facebook listener group, MadMaxMinute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit Patreon.com slash MadMaxMin. Thank you for joining us for Waterworld episode 36. See you next time.